Hallelujah. Well, we're going to pick up where we left off on Wednesday because the Lord had said to me that this is the, this is the direction to go and um, this is the flow he wanted. And uh, like I said to you on Wednesday, I, I kind of, to be honest with you, thought, maybe assumed that since we've talked quite a bit about it, that maybe the time it was ending, that maybe we should talk about some other things. There's so many messages, there's so many themes, there's so much to talk about in the Bible. But the Holy Ghost said to me, just because you're done with it doesn't mean I'm done with it. And the congregation, it hasn't gone deep enough in some of their hearts. Now, if you weren't listening to Wednesday, it's really, really important that you make sure you listen to Wednesday night message because the Holy Ghost was speaking through me and took me off my notes a little bit and started to focus on one particular area about people that uh, need, need healing and need a renewing of their mind and, and, and a, a restoration in their soul. And, and without that, that seed of the word about prosperity can't even get into their spirit man, can't even get into their heart and, and start to bear fruit because they've just decided for whatever reason, maybe self-loathing, self-hatred, low self-esteem, um, maybe condemnation, guilt, maybe things that people have told them in the past, maybe the way they were raised, whatever. Could be a, a variety of scenarios that people just, I, I, God may bless others, but he's not, probably not going to bless me. And maybe I don't even deserve it. Maybe I'm not even worthy of it. Maybe all the mistakes I've made or this or that, uh, you know, and, and so God was dealing with that on Wednesday night. So it, it was, impo it's important, praise the Lord. But he said to me in general, I didn't know he was going to go that way, but he said to me, you might be finished talking about it. He said, but I'm not finished talking about it. And your congregation, I'm not finished with your congregation on this subject of the anointing to prosper because it has not gone deep enough in many of their hearts. And so he's referring to, to the four kinds of soil we find in the book of Mark, chapter 4. And so I started to uh, teach along that line a little bit uh, on Wednesday about the four kinds of soil and about what that means. And normally we focus on the, the stony and the thorny soil because that's what most people deal with. But there is that first category of the hard ground where the seed doesn't even get into the ground. The devil just picks it away right away because it's the, the, the heart is not ready to receive the word. And many times it's because people are hard and they're offended or they're, they're calloused or they're, they're desensitized or they, they're offended with God. They're offended with the pastor. But sometimes it's not that the reason of offense. It's because they've, they've convinced themselves or the devil's convinced them or somebody else has convinced them that they're no, they don't qualify for this particular yeah, category that the seed of the word is talking about. And so if you don't feel you qualify for prosperity, then any seed of the word, the incorruptible seed of God's word that is trying to get into your heart will just land on the surface because you've decided that you don't qualify. So you're not offended with God or angry or, or hardened by sin, but you've just got a problem there that you don't think it applies to you. Yeah. Amen. And then you got to deal with that. And that's what we were talking about on Wednesday. So I said, well, Lord, I um, if I'm, I may be done with it, but if you're not done with it, then I'll just keep talking as long as you say, because obviously the congregation, there's something that you are trying to impart to them by the word. And th when this might be the last night, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't have plans. I'm just going one service at a time. I know Sunday is very, very, oh my God, I don't know. It's very important that you, that you listen to Sunday because last week my wife brought a dynamite message about Jacob and about keeping our eyes on Jesus, the covenant. And that will, that will put things in us that we don't even have. He'll change our very DNA if he has to, like he changed those sheep's DNA so that we would prosper.
prosper and produce and increase. My God, what a powerful sermon that was. The week before that, May 3rd, when I was preaching, I was talking about continuing this theme of, uh, of faith and laying hold and taking it and the violence of faith. But then I got into the, the mechanics of violent faith and we just basically said the first four, which is the same three that, same four that Jesus gave Dad Hagen in this little book, which is a very powerful book that all of you should read more than, more than just once in your life. You should read this every, every month, every two months, every three months. This should be a regular read for you. you. say, well, I've already read it. Yeah, there's so much in it that you don't got yet. And even though it's short and it's only half an hour to read or less, but there's so much in it that you, that you just need to keep reading it. And you'll get more, praise God. And maybe God will prompt you to do your own Bible study by something that is said. But just to show honor for what Jesus showed Dad Hagen, which is all completely scriptural and sound doctrinally. Amen. So the four that are listed in here, I shared on the third, but not that, I, not that it's not enough. Obviously, it's enough. These four are enough. But just to extrapolate the rainbow, to give, put more meat on the bones, to bring more, just more teaching and, and just more help, more aid. I've added another four in addition to these four that have really helped me because it's, it's everything else that Dad Hagen and, and them, they all preached. It's just that he didn't put it in this book. He's put it in other books. But I've kind of summarized it and, and put it into eight simple points. Four of them I shared on the third. The last four, which are not in here, but they're still completely scripturally sound and they'll really help you. I'm going to share this Sunday and it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. And, uh, and even though we're talking about prosperity and finances, uh, the word of the Lord came to me two days ago about something to do with healing, just a little nugget to help you. And he said, now, the verse that I'm using that he gave me about healing is actually, I'm actually using it on Sunday to do with prosperity. But he said, now, when you get to that verse, which you're using about prosperity, I want you to also talk to them about that, about healing. Because uh, that verse is going to help somebody, more than one in the congregation, that have not, that have been struggling to receive their healing. But if they'll do that verse, the, the healing will come faster. And so even though we're talking about this theme of increase in prosperity, there's going to be some answers for healing as well on Sunday, even though that's not the main, the main, uh, God can do multiple things. He's not just going to talk about increase in finances. He'll talk about whatever he wants to talk about in the midst of all through that, because we need more than just that. We need many other things as well, including healing. So Sunday is going to be very important. I encourage you to watch. Amen. But uh, so we're, we're just continuing. And so the first thing he said, and I have a number of verses and we'll just see how far we get. And then if we're not done, we'll pick it up uh, next Wednesday um, or I think Monday's a prayer meeting. So next Wednesday. But, but what he, what he, the first thing he, he said to me, he said that they're not you're done with it, but I'm not done with your congregation about it. Hasn't gone deep enough in many of their hearts. And the first thing that he said, a number of things that I'm going to scriptures. He's, he gave me some scriptures to read to you, to for you to meditate on. But before that, the, what he said to me was, he, he said, the first problem with some, not all, not even many, just some, is that they don't believe that I really want to bless them. And so that, based on that word of this from the Holy Ghost, is what Wednesday was all about. Dealing with some of you don't really believe that God wants to bless you. And if you don't get that down, Pat, in your heart, 
Nothing else is going to work. And all the preaching will just get picked away by the birds because it can't go in your heart if you've hardened your heart to the very base, fundamental, and foundational truth that God loves you. You know that, but he wants to bless you. And that being poor and being less than and not enough is not a holy thing. It's actually a demonic thing. And and religious society, like that couple on the radio, under false revelation from the demonic spirit, because it's not in the Bible, and they took a scripture and they quoted it on the radio. They quoted 1 Timothy 6 on the radio and they misquoted it and they perverted the revelation of that verse because what they said that verse was talking about was nothing to do with what that verse is actually talking about, which is why I had to go and the Lord said, go back to verse one, remember? And a couple weeks ago, I was teaching you along 1 Timothy 6 and what the verse really means, what they were saying. And if you take it in context of who Paul was talking to and what he was saying to the slave population, that verse is perfect and it's right, it's doctrinally sound. And for us at times of abasement, we take that verse because at the end of the day, as long as you have contentment, which means peace, it doesn't mean acceptance for the rest of your life. In the Greek, it means to build up a barrier around you, to tuck down under that barrier. And it's a place like, almost like in battle where, where, you know, they're firing. It's like you get down, you hunker down and, 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 and you can still see what's happening, but there's a safety there. It's a sense of peace and it's a sense of safety. Contentment is about a sense of peace and safety. And even when you've got nothing, if you've got peace and if you've got safety in God, remember, contentment with godliness. If you know God and you're spiritual and you're in peace and you're in safety, it don't matter if you're literally in the gutter, God will get you out. That's what Paul was talking about because those poor slaves were were in poverty and they don't have nothing. And he was simply saying, you technically don't need anything but food and clothes. As long as you've got food and clothes and you've got peace and you know God, yeah. it's done. The devil, the devil can't touch you. That's true. You just you need food, otherwise you'll die. And you need clothes, otherwise you're naked. You don't even technically need a roof over your head. True. As long as you've got food and clothes you, and, you, and you know God, that's godliness. And you're at peace and have safety in your heart, that's contentment. You will have great gain. It's just a matter of time. And then later on he says, and by the way, if, you're, if you trust in the almighty God and not in money and not in position and not in people, if you trust in the, verse 17, if you trust in the almighty God, he, because you're trusting, you're releasing your faith, he will give you slave, he'll give you richly, richly, all things, not some things, all things, not that you need, but that you want the desires of your heart so that you can enjoy them. Enjoy is not just talking about your base needs. It's talking about the increase so that you, your life is enjoyable. So that at the same time, see, see, it makes me so angry, Jenny. The, these Christians, good Christians, love God, but they're totally demonic in their assessment and their understanding of the word. And it's a revelation, all right, but it's from a devil. It's from a religious spirit that has clouded and put a, gu- a guise over there, a filter over their eyes like a screen. And they're seeing the Bible through that demonic screen. And they take a verse that is so powerful and is so holy and is so free setting, sets you free. And they twist it. The devil, they're not trying to twist it, but the devil that is influencing their mind, that religious, that religious devil. I hate that religious spirit. It perverts the power of the gospel and makes it into a weak, spineless, nothing, mass of nothing, 
where it doesn't get you out of your problems. It just tells you to suck it up and enjoy it because God wants you to suffer. And that's not the God I serve. That might, be the, that might be what they believe, but it's not the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. And, but these people, that by the demonic influence, that religious spirit, they twist it, and it sounds so nice. It sounds so martyrish. It sounds so we're suffering. It sounds so like dripping with, I don't know, stained glass windows or something. It, it just drips with something or other, but it ain't the anointing. No, and it sounds so whatever, but, and people that don't know the word are taken by it. And it's not the Bible, and I'm not I'm angry with those people, but I'm angry with the false doctrine that they're preaching. Amen. And God told me to turn on the radio. I never turn on the radio because I don't, nobody on there feeds me except myself. <laughs> nobody on that particular thing feed me, but I feed myself. Sometimes I listen and things come out by the Spirit that weren't even in my notes. I'm like, wow, that was good. I didn't even know that. And here I am listening to myself. But I listen to others, Brother Copeland and Dad Hagen primarily and Pastor Nancy and others. I listen to others that feed me. Brother Jerry and Brother Randy, they feed me. Others, Keith Moore, they feed me. Praise God. But so I said, why on earth, Lord? Then I doubt, but I'm not too proud. Maybe there is something that somebody can teach me. I'm open to learn anything. So I turned on the radio fully expecting to get fed. But God didn't have me turn on the radio to get fed. God had me turn on the radio so I could hear false doctrine. And he got on me in that car, man, I'm telling you, I know exactly where I was. I know the road I was on. I'm telling you, I could tell you exactly where I was when the word of the Lord came to me. And I said, thank God that I have revelation, Lord. I guess they don't have revelation. He yelled. He was loud. And he said, it's not just a matter of a lack of revelation. It's not just a matter of being mental about it. There's a demon spirit that is attached to that. And that is false, dark revelation from a devil. And he said, you preach this. And he said, you tell your congregation that this is false and that not to listen to it, which is why it's so important who you listen to, because people that don't have this flow are going to take you down the wrong path. I keep saying it. The Holy Ghost keeps reminding me to say it because some of you need to be, need to tighten up in who you listen to. Praise God. You know, I can't tell you, Taylor, how, how much blessed I was. A young man I was talking to today, I won't say the name. I don't know if he wants me to say it, but I was talking to him today, and he was mentioning about these people that do conspiracy theories and stuff. And he said, you know, Pastor, this, this minister that Reverend Randy was referring to when I read that thing about, you know, and he's a good minister. And, I mean, good man and good ministry and loves God and much doctrine is right. But just in that one little area, he gets a bit off with all the ultra conspiracy and writing books. And it's not, it's not the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you. The Holy Ghost doesn't talk that way. Jesus did never talk that way, even though there were much conspiracy theorists in his time because they were against Rome and they were trying to, I'm telling you, Jesus, we don't do that. It's dangerous. And so I gave a warning. I'm so used to people not listening to me in general. I know the congregation listens and obeys, but when people have a little pet, Jennifer, when they've got a little pet, they don't want you dealing with their pet. They want leave, leave my little pet doctrine alone. And, uh, and so, but he said to me, he said, you know, I know who you were talking about. He said the name. And I said, yeah, that's it. And he said, because I've read some of the books and I was listening. And he said, but as soon as you said it, pastor, he said, I just knew in my heart, the Holy Ghost just bore witness in my heart. Just stop listening to that. Not that he's not right on other things, but just stop listening to that. And he said, and you know, I thought about it and you're right. He said, there's so much from dad Hagen. There's so much from pastor Nancy. There's so much from Jerry Savelle and all the others. I don't need to be listening to people that aren't part of my flow and aren't part of my diet. There's so much out there that is part of our flow. And he said, I just cut that off. And I didn't say anything. I didn't praise him or high five him or anything. But I thought to myself, my God, look at the heart. 
Somebody listened. <laughs> Somebody actually listened and, and didn't just let their little pet, oh, I like the feeling of conspiracy theories and it's so interesting and it's so this. And they, and they kept that pet and didn't listen to the warning that came by the Holy Ghost through their pastor. Because yeah. get them in trouble and they don't think, because they think they're above it, but they don't realize that there's danger there. Yeah. There's danger. But some, some people do listen and they get rid of that little pet, that little thing that they enjoyed because they understand there's a, there's a warning that comes from God and that it's in our best interest to heed that. Amen. Praise the Lord. So just like you, some people, thank God, like that young man and others, listened to some of the warnings the Lord is giving through me and through other ministers like Randy and others. Well, there's a warning God's giving through me to you about be careful who you listen to. Because if they'll take you down the wrong path and they'll, they'll package it so amazing that unless you're very spiritual, unless you really know the word, you won't even be able to tell at the beginning because it sounds so nice and so religious sounding that you might just swallow it and, and it's, actually, it's actually demonic. And you've got to be very, very, very careful. So there is a lot of aggressive teaching against this message that God wants to bless you, that you individually, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what anybody told you, no matter what lies the devil has told you, no matter how you were raised, how broke you were raised or whatever, God loves you. He wants to bless you. You are the apple of his eye, not just your kids, not just your spouse, not just your parents, you. He has a plan for you. He has increase in store for you. He has a good path for you to walk, to lead you into the good life that he planned for you ahead of time. God wants you to know that. But he said to me, Jenny, People, if they don't really believe that I want to bless them, it, nothing else matters at that point. So in other words, what he prompted me was, remember, Jenny, I was thinking we were done talking about this prosperity stuff. Let's move on to something else. And he said, you might be done with it, but I'm not done with your congregation because many of them, it hasn't gone deep enough in their hearts. And then he said to me, and go right back to the beginning, because if they don't even believe that I want to bless them, then nothing else you've preached is even going in. So you've got to deal with that so that they can truly believe and understand that I love them and I want to bless them, Amen. which is what we dealt with on Wednesday, what I'm finishing up tonight. Because if you don't believe that fundamental truth, go back to the beginning. If you don't even believe that, none of the other sermons, none of the other messages, none of the other uh, scripture verses, none of the other revelation that's flowing from other ministers, from me and whatever about God's desire to increase you and the blessing of Abraham and all this stuff, none of it will work because it just fell on this hard ground and the devil stole it. Nothing went into your heart because you've convinced yourself that you're not worthy of it. That's right. Or a religious spirit is on you that tells you you shouldn't have it and God doesn't want you to have it. But I bind that religious spirit and I break its power over your mind. You are free in Jesus' name. And you look at the Bible through the eyes of the Holy Ghost, not the eyes of some religious preacher that is demonic in their, in their doctrine. The Bible is full and packed to the brim Old and New Testament about God's deep desire and heart to bless you. And I'm just fed up hearing ministers, some not in our group, but others saying, oh, that's an Old Testament doctrine. In the New Testament, there's nothing about God wanting to bless you. I guess they haven't read their Bibles because the New Testament is full. And I'm going to give you some of them. There's many others, but I'm going to give you some of them how it's full. Remember that minister? We love that man, wonderful man. But he's got a religious spirit on him that came from the Pentecostal church, that religious spirit about anti-prosperity, anti-this, anti-that. And he had the gall to look at my eyes and say to me, there's nothing in the New Testament that says about this. And I started quoting him scriptures, quoting him scripture. And you remember his eyes? He got so angry what I was saying that his, I, I saw that demon spirit behind him. Now he's a minister. A powerful minister, in fact. Many miracles, signs, and wonders. 
but I saw his eyes. See, demons, you can sometimes, if the Holy Ghost lets you, you can see them when you look at people's eyes because they're there. That's the window to who they are. And I saw his eyes flash like a demonic flash. And it, it scared me a little bit because I wasn't expecting it. Like his eyes flashed. He was so angry that I was quoting him scriptures about prosperity in the New Testament. His eyes flashed. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, that's that religious spirit inside him that's getting upset because you're quoting scriptures. And I thought, my God, in that moment, in a microsecond, I said, Lord, what do I do? Do I cast it out? What do I do? Do I ask him? Do I ask him if he wants to be free? And the Lord said, don't do anything. He wants it. Yeah. Don't do anything. Don't offer. Don't ask. Don't suggest. Don't do anything. Just end the conversation. And then he said, cut him off. Not that, not that he, we, love, we love him. But the Lord said, he can't come to your church. I don't want you fellowshipping with him. Because that religious spirit that's on him is going to get on your congregation. Is going to try to get on you. Because I would spend some time with him over the years. And he's even come and preached at our church before. And the Lord said, no more. Until he repents and gets rid of that thing, I don't want that around your congregation. So sometimes people say, oh, Pastor, well, didn't you know that before you invited him the first time? No, I didn't. Because I don't know everything all the time. I don't know everything. But God, and God also gives seasons of mercy. God will overlook certain mistakes in people's lives for a while. And he'll have them come preach because the gift is without repentance and the anointing is powerful on their life. Yeah. Another minister, he was so filled to the brim with pride and arrogance. But I didn't see it at first. And the anointing was so, worked so well on him. And so God said, have him. But you see, then over time, I started to pick uh, 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 something's wrong, something's wrong. And I thought, who am I to say this about the minister? They're a senior minister. I'm a junior minister. So I talked to Dr. Dufresne. And Dr. Dufresne said, uh, I wouldn't have him. What you're picking up is exactly right. I said, doctor, why didn't you tell me? I wouldn't have had him to begin with. He said, but you have to learn, son. And he said, he's very good on many things. And God is maybe in a season of mercy trying to deal with him. But, but now that he, but if, he won't, if he won't deal with what he needs to deal with in his life, then God will eventually say, stop having him at your church because he doesn't want that thing to get on the congregation. Yeah. Another minister, great minister, but just in, in false doctrine in one area. I mean, deep false doctrine yes. in one area. He came to our church a number of times and didn't preach that false doctrine. It was wonderful. We had a good time. But then the Holy Ghost started saying to me, uh, there was an uneasiness. So I went to my spiritual father and, and he said, uh, that's because he, I said, yeah, I picked something that was not. And he says, oh, it's a lot worse than you know, son. I said, why didn't you tell me not to have him? He said, I'm not telling you who to have and who not to have. I'm not going to control you. You got to hear the Holy Ghost yourself, son. He said, but I wouldn't have him back. He'd never preach in my pulpit. Because that spirit will get on the congregation. Yeah. My God, these are things that pertain, to the, that pertain to the spirit. So some people say, well, I don't we have that minister. I think that's a great minister. And they are great ministers. Are. But you got to trust me. And you got to trust the Holy Ghost that I hear him. Because sometimes there's things in these ministers that while 95% is fine, there's an element that is not fine. And God may have given mercy and overlooked it for a season. But if they don't deal with it, he'll say, don't fellowship with them. Don't have them preach at your church anymore. Because they're no longer safe. Are you listening to me? Amen. So don't pass judgment as to who we have and who we don't have. Well, we used to have so many and now we don't have as many. You need to just trust me as the pastor that I hear from God. And with the number of hours, I bet you, well, I want to say that. But I can almost promise you I pray more than anyone in this congregation. And I'm not just saying my wife, between my wife and I together, believe me, we pray more than anybody in this congregation. I don't say that pridefully. I don't say that arrogantly. But my life is a life that's clean and my life is a life that prays. And I spend much time with God to let God get things over to me. 
So when God gets things over to me, I know that it's him. And if he, I don't always have to understand it or or always feel good about it. If he says, don't go here, don't have that person, don't talk to that one anymore. It ceases to be an argument. If he said it, and I know how to hear him because I spent time with him. If I never prayed, like most pastors don't pray. They don't. I mean, the statistic last year was they spent two minutes a, a, a week two minutes a week. Uh, they're out golfing and they're out doing this and, and all that stuff and counseling and all. Your pastor prays. Your pastor's wife prays. And because we pray, we can hear from God. And because we hear from God, I can preach sermons that are right from the throne of God. Whether you like them or not, they're what you need. Because I hear from God, I can bring people in and then not bring certain people in. And it doesn't matter that I like their personality or not. And some of those people were actually our friends. We actually enjoyed doing things outside the church with them. And it was a devastating blow to me because if I cut them off from their preaching, they automatically will cut me off from friendship. And that happened. So I've lost friends in that way. But it's more important that I protect the sheep and I have who God says in more than it is me having a buddy to go hiking with or to go here with or go there with. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you've got to trust your pastor that I'm hearing from God, not just in what I'm preaching to you, but in, in how we're doing the plane, how we're doing the different traveling ministry, how we're doing the pulse of church. I'm here and, when, and sometimes I miss it. But if, but if I have to come publicly and say, listen, I missed it. I'm going to have to cancel something. I'm going to have to uproot something. I'm going to have to abort something because I missed it. I'll do it because I'm, I want to make sure that I'm hearing from God and that we're not continuing in a theme and in a, and in a path that he never authored because all it will do is cause us frustration. That's it. Yeah. Praise God, including who we have in the church, including who I have on staff. You know that every staff member, Jennifer, God has hand-selected every single one of them. Are there other people in the church that I could have hired that maybe would have liked to have been hired? Absolutely. That I like personally, that I trust personally? Absolutely. But just because I trust that person or like that person or see a good work ethic in that person or faithfulness in that person, and just because I know they'd like to work at the church, I am not permitted to hire them under those circumstances. God has to say to me, you bring, you bring this one on, son. People need to trust that I'm hearing from God. Amen. And pray for me. Pray for me. That's the greatest thing you can pray. Lord, I pray that pastor hears your voice clearly. Let him know what you're saying clearly. Let him not make mistakes. Let him not make missteps. Let him be sure-footed in the decisions that he's making. I pray that he'd hear your voice clearly. My brother and my sister, that's the greatest prayer you can pray for me. And then the second greatest prayer you can pray for me, at least at this time, is Lord, give him boldness. And Lord, thank you for miracles, signs, wonders, and healings and the gifts of the Spirit. That's a very important prayer to pray. Praise God. There's many prayers you can pray. Amen. But I'm just saying, praying that I'll hear the voice of God is one of the most important, if not the most important. Because Jenny, if you can hear from God, no matter what problem you've got in, he'll get you out. Because he knows how to get you out of the problem. Half the problem, the reason you got into the problem was you never heard him. Because right. if you heard him, you'll never be in that problem. That doesn't mean persecution won't come. But, but you, your own, you messed it up yourself. You caused it to come yeah. on your own head. That's just because you miss God. Yeah. But if you can hear God even once when you've missed it, even when you're in the, the, the pit, even when it was your own fault, yeah. if you can just hear God, forgive yourself. He forgives you. Yeah. Repent quickly. Keep a pure and honest and soft, humble heart. You can just hear him in the pit. I'm telling you, he'll show you how to climb out of the pit. 
So the most important thing is that you can hear the voice, you can hear the voice of the Spirit in your life, and I can hear the voice of the Spirit in my life. And I pray for you regularly, every one of you. I pray over the congregation, the Pauline prayers, that your spirit would be strong and that you'd hear the voice of the spirit clearly. And you pray the same for me. Amen. So God said to me, you go back to the beginning. If they don't even believe I want to bless them, I can't get it over to them. The seed of the word that you're preaching doesn't even get into their heart. You preach it and 10 minutes later, the devil's stolen that from them. And didn't produce nothing because they've hardened their heart to believe that I want to bless them. So that's why I guess I didn't plan on it, Jenny, but that's why he had the entire service almost on Wednesday hammering, breaking up fallow ground, hard ground, and bringing healing to people that don't believe that God loves them enough to bless them or whatever the other, whatever the lie is that they're believing, whether it's from themselves, their parents, other people, the devil, whatever a preacher, whatever. There's, it's a lie that God doesn't want to increase and bless you because he loves you so much. And the word is full of it, both in the old and the new. That's where I was going before I went on the bunny trail about the minister and seeing that devil flash. They hate, that religious spirit hates, hates this teaching. They want you to be broken, poor, and they want you to think it's spiritual, but it ain't. So uh, he, now this, uh, then I said, well, Lord, how do you want me to handle that? Go back to the beginning and talk to them. So I've started that on Wednesday. I want to finish it right now. Uh, and then I got some verses. Obviously, we're not going to get to all of it. I can tell. <laughs> we're not going to get to all of it, but that's okay. I think you're used to series. Pastor Craig, a.k.a. Series Field. I think that's my middle name. Uh, Reverend Taylor says it very, uh, you know, um, sarcastically and inappropriately, but th that's okay. We've doctors pay a little bit, and he, he's going he's gonna to learn. Praise God. Just kidding, my precious brother. So I said, well, Lord, how do you want? I get some verses. I'll read them the verses to show them that you want them blessed. And he's, he's prompted me and he said, do you remember what Randy Greer said? I thought to myself, Randy Greer? Randy Greer? Emmeline Carter Greer, Granny? Is that Randy Greer? I said, he didn't really say much. I can't remember a specific thing that he said about prosperity along these lines. And, but what, and then the Lord explained it to me and he said, do you remember the story that he told about when he was struggling financially? I said, yes, sir. And he said, so I want you to start in addition to what we said Wednesday, which is just hammering that hard ground. But he said, then I want you to go back to the beginning and, and show them that I want them blessed. And he said, and one of the ways that I want you to do that is I want you to read a part, not all, but just a part of this little book because that's what I said to your spiritual father, your spiritual grandfather, really. That's what I said to him to help him understand because his mind was not renewed about prosperity. Right. He didn't know that God really wanted to bless him. But back then, nobody believed that. He had more of an excuse than we. We at least have been surrounded by this message for a while. There's no excuse for us. All of us should believe it. But Dad Hagen, this was foreign. I mean, other than, other than Oral Roberts saying God is good and he wants to bless you and sow seeds in faith, other than Oral Roberts, nobody was preaching that. And Brother Hagen struggled, I think, a little bit at the beginning. He had to have his mind renewed, so the Lord started to deal with him. And the Lord said, now you, you talk about this. And he said, remember the story of Randy Greer. And I'll remind you the story. Randy Greer was struggling financially, a serious problem. And some of you watching me, you're also seriously struggling. Now, you maybe get government handouts and bailouts and this help and that help and, and little bits here, little bit there. God is keeping you afloat, but you're still under a pressure, many of you. Okay, so you better listen because Randy was also under pressure. You say, but Randy's Randy, and I'm what's the difference? Randy's a human being. Forget the fact that he's a prophet and a minister. He's still a Christian, and I'm a Christian, and you're a Christian, and I've struggled, and Randy struggled, and some of you have struggled and maybe are. Let me tell you something. When Randy was struggling, take this, make this story your story. Do exactly what Randy did, and you'll win. 
Because it's what the Bible says to do. That's why. Not because Randy said it, but because he was following Bible principles. And Randy was struggling financially, and he was pacing the floor, and pacing the floor, and pacing the floor, remember? And fasting, and praying. He believes in the full gospel. So for him to fast in the full gospel, get to the skinny gospel, is very hard. That's a, that, that means he's really desperate. When you believe in full gospel ministry, and now you're fasting, you are in a serious bind. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so he was pacing the floor, seeking God, praying for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours. Uh, got all the administrative and the phones, and all, it's all gone. He's, this is my, I, gotta, I am a, in a financial situation. I need God. Praise God. And he was pacing the floor, fasting and praying, pacing the floor, fasting and praying. And God could have just spoken to him, but I love the way God does things. God doesn't always do it the same way. And the Lord said to him, uh, Stan Moore is going to call you, Pastor Stan Moore from Florida. He's going to call you at such and such a time, and he's going to have your answer. Now, why didn't God just tell him? Because God is variety. God loves wondrous variety. <laughs> he'll talk to you sometime in a dream, and he'll talk to you sometime through a preacher, and sometimes you're reading the Bible, and you go, glory to God, and he talks to you because it jumps off the page at you. And other times by, by uh, just praying in the Holy Ghost, something comes up. And other times he'll just say, you're going to get your answer from this person. I'm telling you, he loves wondrous variety. And so he kept praying, and I guess he heard right, because exactly the time that God said the phone rang, he picked up the phone. He knew who it was. It was Stan Moore, because God told him, Stan Moore's calling you with your answer. And so, and Pastor Stan Moore loved Dad Hagen. Dad Hagen went to Pastor Stan Moore's church every year. Yeah. In fact, it was at Pastor Stan Moore's church that he got in the spirit, and he saw that demon that looked like a box that was hideously ugly in the ground, because their ground was contaminated with toxins and the government wouldn't give them permission because of the toxic waste in the ground to build and do different things. And I, 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 to this day, and I've asked Pastor Edwin, I've asked Pastor Nancy, I've asked Pastor Jerry, I've asked all of them. None of them really can answer it, but we know it's true. So I don't know how this works because toxic waste is physical, Jenny. There is actually chemicals and liquid in the ground that, that you can take samples and it's toxic. So it's physical, but something about it is spiritual too. And I don't understand that. Don't How could a physical toxic waste have, be spiritual? I don't, I don't understand. That's one of the few things I don't understand. I'll ask Jesus when I get to heaven, but I know it worked. But he got in the spirit at Brother Stadmore's home, and they were all fellowshipping and talking, and the people were so hungry. See, when people, when spiritual sons and daughters get around the father, and they're drawing, yeah. instead of just talking about the stupid baseball game, uh -huh. and they're drawing, and they're asking questions, and they're saying, Dad, tell us about this, and Dad, tell us, and you start priming that pump, and, and then that anointing, even though he's not in the pulpit, that anointing starts for, that, that minister can get over in the spirit. Amen. I did that with Dr. Dufresne all the time. I do that with Pastor Nancy all the time when I'm around her. Anyway, and so they were asking questions. Pastor Edwin and Angela were there. They were sitting on, I think, a fridge or a counter or something. It was packed, packed kitchen. And, uh, and all of a sudden, see, they're drawing on him. And he got in the spirit and he saw a box that looked like a demon. It was a demon spirit, but it was a box. And he said it was the most hideously ugly thing he's ever seen in his life. Now, he's looking in the spirit and, and he's looking there, but Stan Moore's wife is standing in front of him or sitting in front of him and he's looking in the spirit. So he's not looking at her. He's looking through her in the spirit and he sees this demon in the ground. And, he, and so he says, he says, my God, <laughs> that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. And Pastor Edwin makes me laugh so hard every time because he says, and I looked over at Mrs. Moore and I thought, well, she's not the most attractive woman in the world, but I wouldn't necessarily say that she's the ugliest woman that he's ever seen. <laughs> 
I wouldn't say that she's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he's thinking she's talking to his wife because he's pointing at her. But he's in the spirit. So if I ever say that to you, don't worry. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking through you. <laughs> Taylor, I'm looking through you, brother. <laughs> and, he, and, he see, and he says, and he saw, and he commanded that thing to come out of the ground. And that demon spirit left. He said, Stan, go test the ground again. I mean, that took faith just to test the ground because how could, it's physical toxic waste. How could a spirit remove the physical waste? I don't understand that. But they went and tested the ground and not one ounce of toxicity was in that soil and before it was flooded with it. So much that the EPA wouldn't even let them build. And the government was so shocked at that, they actually asked Stan Moore to ask Kenneth E. Hagan if he would please come and pray over another property in another part of the United States because they said, we have never seen the likes of this before. And if a man, I don't know what he did and I don't, I don't understand it, but if he could get the toxic waste out of that property, we have another property we need him to get the toxic waste out of. But he couldn't go because the Holy Ghost, that was by the gifts of the Spirit. And the Holy Ghost didn't tell him to go and cast his spirit out of another property. I don't know how that worked, but that toxic waste was gone. That evil spirit somehow was controlling or enforcing or something. When that spirit left, the angels or God's power or the anointing or whatever it was, literally physically cleaned the soil. Isn't that astonishing? You tell me that God can't help you pay your mortgage. My God. I'm telling you, why did I even say that story, Jennifer? What was the point? <laughs> that was a, a wonderful story. Randy Greer. Randy Greer, that's Stan Moore. So he picks up the phone. Thank you, honey. And, Stan, and it's Stan Moore's secretary. Uh, Brother Greer, y- yeah, yes. Please hold for Pastor Moore. Oh, okay. And so I think he said, Pastor Moore, I want to make sure you're home. Pastor Moore's going to call you right back. So he hangs up the phone. The ring phone rings again. And there's Stan Moore. And Stan Moore says, God told me to call you. And he said, yes, sir. God, yes, sir. God told me that you had an answer for me. And he said, and here's your answer. Why won't you believe the prophet? The words of the prophet. And he said, you know, Randy, you know, he said, what do you mean, Brother Moore? You don't believe what Dad Hagen the prophet said. And that Brother Randy loves Dad Hagen like, like his own blood. I mean, he said, Lord, what do you mean I, I'm not believing the words of the prophet? And he said, the prophet by the unction of the spirit, I'm paraphrasing, wrote this little book called How God Taught Me About Prosperity, but you won't do it, and if you do it, it will work. And that's my answer for you, hung up the phone. So he pulled out the book, and he starts reading and reading, and he starts simply doing what it said, and within a matter of weeks, the whole financial crisis turned. But if you don't first believe that God even wants to bless you, nothing else is going to work. Nothing else won't even get through to you. And the Lord said to me, remember the story of Randy? I said, yes, sir. After I figured out what he meant. Yes, I remember about Stan Moore. I remember. He said, so uh, there's something there that I showed Brother Hagin that I want you to read to the people because it will help them on this fundamental foundational issue of even believing that God wants to bless you. So let me read it. The subject of prosperity is currently so misunderstood in the church world that I feel I must comment on it. When did he write this, honey? 1985. 95, 2005, 2035 years ago. My God. The Lord himself taught me about prosperity. I never read a book about it. 
I got it directly from heaven. It blessed me and my family so much, I want to share it with you. I was born and raised Southern Baptist, and the first church I pastored was Baptist. When it came to pastors, we Baptists had a little saying, Lord, you keep them humble, and we'll keep them poor. Lord, you keep them humble, and we'll do our part. <laughs> we won't pay them. <laughs> My God, that's so demonic. But that's what they believed, and that's what many, many, many denominations still believe. Praise God. God's job is to keep me humble, and the people's job is to not pay me anything. <laughs> but thank God we're delivered from that. We thought we were doing God a favor. We thought that was the way it ought to be. See, false doctrine. Religious spirit. Then I got over among the Pentecostals because they had a little bit more vim, vigor, and vitality than we Baptists. They were twice as good as keeping the pastor poor. <laughs> twice as good. They didn't have the Holy... The, the Baptists didn't have the baptism and they kept you poor. The Pentecostals had the baptism. They kept you twice as poor. So don't think just because you got baptized in the Holy Ghost that you got right doctrine. And some way or other, we young preachers swallowed whatever our elders said about prosperity. And some of you have had wrong elders and you swallowed it over the years. We didn't take the time to examine the word of God on the subject. We were taught that if you're really humble, you're poor. And it's characteristic of holiness to live on barely get along street. Way down at the end of the block right next to Grumble Alley. Do you understand what he's saying? You're holy if you live on barely get along street adjacent to Grumble Alley, meaning you're barely getting along and you grumble about everything. We were taught that if you're a Christian, you ought to go through life, especially if you're a preacher. So it's heightened if you're a preacher without anything, with the soles of your shoes worn out, the seat of your pants worn out, the top of your hat worn out, and drive an old car with fenders a-flopping. That's being humble and holy. That's honoring God. Look at that. Remember my sermon about the four H's? He's got three H's in one sentence. That's being humble and holy and honoring God, being poor. That's not what it's about. I had heard others say, I don't want any of this old world's goods. That's like that couple on the radio. I don't need anything. God doesn't, God wants me to slay, they called it the dragon, of desire for wanting more. And finally, when we accepted that God doesn't want us to have nice clothes or a new camera, when we finally slew that dragon of materialism and we embraced contentment according to 1 Timothy chapter 6, we realize that we, God is pleased with us having nothing. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And that is not what 1 Timothy 6 is talking about. They shouldn't be on the radio teaching people false doctrine. Makes me angry, I'm telling you. I get, I get hot and bothered about that kind of stuff because anything, people that say that God don't want to heal you, people that say that, that, that you've got mental problems that you have to live with it, people that say that God wants you broke, people that say that God can't protect you, any, any doctrine that's false, people that say that Jesus didn't go to hell, don't get me hot and bothered about that because that, that's what a lot of the denominations teach, that Jesus just died on the cross and then he went you know, to heaven and, and, and he didn't have to go to and the, I'm not going to get into that, but that's false doctrine too. There's so much false doctrine out there, so just stay with the truth. 
I heard others say, I don't want any of this old world's goods. So I picked that up, Brother Hagin said. And I used to say, I don't want any of this old world's goods. And I didn't have any of this old world's goods either. As if there were something wrong with this old world's goods, which there isn't. Well, yes, there is. Someone will argue. In other words, yes, there's something wrong with having the goods from this world. Someone will argue. No, there isn't, he said. I pastored nearly 12 years. We had faith for healing for ourselves and our children. Because remember, God raised him off a deathbed, so he had faith for healing. Just because you have faith for healing don't mean you have faith for finances. I had faith for healing for ourselves and our children, but we had no faith for finances. We always struggled financially. This is Kenneth Hagin. Both as a family and as a church in every pastorate he pastored, he struggled financially. Because if the pastor don't have revelation, no. he won't be blessed personally, no. but the people won't be blessed personally because right. he's not teaching them because the people make up the church. And if they're not blessed personally, then they can't sow into the corporate ministry right. and then the ministry itself is not blessed. Right. Not promise of life. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. We had faith, okay. Uh, as I look back now, I turn my face away in shame that I was so stupid. We'd finally make it through. We'd finally make it through some way or another by kicking and clawing, bawling and squalling, fasting and praying. A lot of people, just if they have a heart to fast and pray, God will do a miracle just because they pray, but that doesn't mean their doctrine's right, and that, and that God is to keep giving them an, a, a, an emergency bailout every time. Their fasting and prayer will produce that, but if their doctrine would get right, then they wouldn't have, you still fast and pray, don't get me wrong, but you wouldn't have to fast and pray to get out of financial emergencies every month because your doctrine would be sound, your mind would be renewed, and you'd be walking in the blessing and the authority and the abundance that God's provided for you. Then you fast and pray about other things. But just by fasting and praying, God will do many things for many people just because of his mercy because they paid a price. It would look like we never were going to make it, but we would. God had mercy on our stupidity and ignorance and helped us in spite of ourselves. Yeah. And many people, that would be a true statement, wouldn't it? Five more minutes till nine o'clock. Let me keep going a little bit more. I left my last church in 1949. Many of you weren't even born then. And went out in field ministry. Quote, unquote, he says, that's like my name, Jenny. We're in the field ministry. But field ministry doesn't mean I'm a pastor. Field ministry means traveling ministry, okay? Going from church to church, holding what we called back then revival, revivals or meetings. After I'd been out on the field a solid year from February 1949 to January 1950, a whole year, 12 months, my records showed I had earned $1,200 less in that same year than my church had paid me for the previous 12 months. Now, to them, at that time, 1200 was a big deal. That's like twenty or thirty or 40000 now, okay? I don't know what the exact inflation is, but 1200 is, is, a, is a big jump. Back then, 1200 today is not as much, but back then, it was probably what we would call in the tens of thousands. Plus, the church had furnished our parsonage, so that the home that they lived in, and it was the best would ever live, it was the best home we had ever lived in. Plus, the church had paid and furnished all our utilities, gas, heat, electric. Because back then, 
there was a church that the, the, the church, every church owned a little home on the church property. The pastor would live in that home and the church had paid for that home so the pastor didn't have to pay rent or mortgage and they paid all the utility bills, the phone, everything. And then, and then what they gave him, whatever they gave him was for food, the money, the salary, and just for savings or whatever he wanted. But they didn't pay hardly anything. So you barely had enough to eat and pay for your car and then there was nothing left over. Genesis, that's what he means, but today we don't do that anymore. There are no parsonages, so we don't do that anymore. But just some of you young people, they don't know what a parsonage is. <laughs> they think it's a partridge. Uh, uh, my kid, little son said to me, what's a parsonage? Is that a bird? He's thinking partridge. partridge. No, parsonage is, is, a, is a house. Amen? After I'd been on the field, okay, blah, blah, blah. Plus the church had furnished our parsonage. It was the best we'd ever lived in. Plus they'd furnished all our utilities. Plus they'd paid all my expenses to go to every convention that I needed to attend. So paying him to drive or on the bus or on the plane. And they were always buying clothes and other gifts for my wife and I. So they'd also buy them clothes. So they were, in, even though they were poor, they were still in a place of more increase by being a pastor. Now you're traveling, none of that is happening. You pay your own way. Nobody's giving you clothes or gifts. You have to pay now rent in a home. The utilities are your own responsibility. So it was a, it was a big step of faith to leave that, past, that pastorate and go on the road. Now I was out on my own. I had to pay my own rent, my own utilities, go to conventions at my own expense, and pay travel expenses to and from each meeting. During that first year on the field, my clothes and my car had worn out. The car had four bald tires and no spare. In fact, I, I, it was so bad, I had to sell it for junk. I got enough out of it just to pay the interest, nothing on the principal, on three different loans I had taken out. So he had debt just to survive. With the little that was left, we bought some school clothes for the children and that left us with virtually nothing. We lived in a three bedroom apartment. Ken didn't have a bedroom. He had to sleep on a little rollaway bed in the kitchen, the room where I studied the word of God when I came off the field. I was holding a meeting down in East Texas when I went to the Lord about our financial problems. I went on a partial fast. You see, when you get serious, you'll fast. Sure. And, and, but don't just fast to get a, a bailout or just God to bless, have somebody bless you. Pray and fast so that he'll change your thinking. Amen. Then your doctrine will get right. You'll start releasing your faith right. And then it will work properly instead of him always having to do emergency bailouts for you. So this is the kind of fast he went on, not just for the bailout, but to say, God, what's the problem here? Amen. Why am I missing this? I went on a partial fast and each afternoon I spent several hours in prayer. I talked to the Lord like I talked to you because he knows what we sound like anyway, so there's no point putting on airs. On the third day, I had all my statistics laid out in front of me once again and I said, now Lord, see how much better off I'd be if we'd stayed in my church? That's what I wanted to do anyhow. I had gotten hold of that scripture that says in Isaiah 119, if you are be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And I quoted it I quoted that verse again to him. I reminded him that I had earned 1,200 less than my pastorate had paid me. I reminded him that my clothes had worn out and I was on foot now without a car because he had to sell it for junk. I kept saying, Lord, you said right here in your word, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And I'm sure not eating the good of the land. My children are not adequately clothed. My, my, we are not adequately housed. I know the problem is not with you because you don't ever change. Where is the problem? What a powerful statement. This is where many people miss it. 
They're, they're telling God the problem, like he listed the problem, but most people end the prayer saying, what's your problem? I can't believe you're doing this to me. I'm obviously fine. Why are you failing me? That's where most people miss it. See, he didn't miss it. He said, Lord, let me quote it, I know the problem is not with you because you don't ever change and your word is the same. So where is the problem? In other words, the problem is with me. If you could just realize that any problem you ever have in life is your own fault, it's, your, it's, the, it's on your side. You've done something or situations have worked themselves in array against you, but it's on your side. It's not on God's side. It's never on his side. He's good and his word is true. If there's a problem, if there's a lack, if there's an issue, if there's, a, if there's an emergency, something on your side was not flowing perfectly with what God needed. Because if you flow with him, he'll always, you'll always see victory. I'm not, I'm not making people feel bad. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, anytime there's a problem with me or Jenny, I never say, God, why did you do this? I say, Lord, it's not on your side. It's on my side. I humble myself. Show me where, my, show me where I missed it, and I'll make the change because I want the good life. Amen. I want the good life that you planned for me. So just don't blame God. Blaming God will get you deeper in trouble. It won't get you out. That still small voice of the Lord spoke to my spirit, my innermost being. That's what the Lord said to him. First of all, that scripture you keep quoting to me, God hears it when you quote the word to him, says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. The reason you're not eating the good of the land is because you don't qualify. I love it. You are obedient, but you are not willing. So you don't qualify to eat the good of the land. See, he was, grumb he was living on Grumble Alley, remember? He was whining about traveling, and I didn't want to do this anyway. And if I had stayed there, I would have made more money. I didn't want to do this anyway. So that's not willing. He had obeyed, but he wasn't willing. The motive, the heart was not right, even though the actions lined up. Don't tell me it takes a long time to get willing. <laughs> I got, I, I know better. I made a little adjustment down on the inside of me, and in about 10 seconds, I was willing because he realized that his attitude was wrong. I said, now I'm willing. I know I'm willing. You know I'm willing. And the devil knows I'm willing. Now I'm ready. I'm ready to eat the good of the land because you told me that being willing is all that I lacked. He said, yes, he said, I know you are. I know you're willing. The next thing the Lord said to me was this. He had to deal with one problem at a time. Then the Lord said, your trouble is you don't practice what you preach. Now, this is spankings. God's telling him your, your attitude's wrong. Oh, but Lord, I just want to feel the anointing. I just want somebody to prophesy over me. I just want somebody to hand me $10,000. No, why don't you fast and pray? Why don't you let God spank you a little bit? Because many of us need it. It doesn't always feel good, but it's going to be good in the long run. Your attitude's wrong. If he had argued, it would have been over. God can't help him no more. But he changed it. The next thing is, you don't practice what you preach. Seek correction. But his heart's right, so God can fix it. He can fix it with God's help. Now, that was a low blow. I grabbed my stomach. It hurt so much as if somebody, it hurts, it hurt. I hurt so much as if it was somebody that had hit me in the stomach with their fist. I protested, Lord, you've hit me with a low blow. Lord, I do practice what I preach. What do you mean I don't practice what I preach? You see, it's okay to ask God what he means, but his heart's still submissive. Yeah, that's He's not saying you're lying. No. He's like saying, Lord, that hurts. Yeah. But tell me, tell me how. I think I do. Tell me how. And the quote, the Lord answered him and said, your trouble is you preach faith, 
but you don't practice faith. Now, do you notice there's so many nuggets in here? God talked to him generally first. Did you notice that? He said, you don't practice what you preach. He, God wanted him to ask him more specifics. And then God answered him more specifically. The area you don't practice what you preach in is faith. It could have been lots of areas, but God had to show him, narrow it down. A lot of people, God tells you something, but you don't spend enough time waiting for him to give you the specificity of what he was talking about. And then you interpret it wrong and you're off again. You don't practice, the trouble is you preach faith, but you don't practice faith, he replied. I came to my own defense <laughs> and I said, why, Lord, you know I do. In all the years since I got my healing, I've never really been sick. He was practicing it in healing. I've always received my healing and my children have always received their healing. Yes, he said, you practice faith when it comes to healing and that's commendable. But you, but you, but you use your faith only for healing, salvation, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's as far as you ever go with your faith. But faith is the same in every realm, in every sphere. Faith works identically in every realm and in every sphere. This is God speaking to him. Faith for finances works just like faith for healing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or salvation. Faith is the same in the financial realm as it, in, as it is in any of the others. God's saying that to him. I love it, Jennifer. God continued, now if it be, now if it were healing you needed for your own body, you would claim it by faith and you'd go out publicly announce that you were healed. Because he got that revelation. You've done that. Sometimes even when you were preaching, any symptoms you had would disappear. Now you see you have to do the same thing when it comes to finances. All right, Lord, I'll do that. I saw I wasn't exercising faith in finances at all. We hadn't known we could exercise our faith for finances, so we did without. We struggled through and we barely made it. A lot of people don't know God wants to bless them. Now I'm still, I have to quit now, but I'll pick it up. But the next part is what I'm trying to get to is where God teaches him how he wants to bless him. And that's what I was talking on Wednesday and tonight. You've got to first learn how God wants to bless you. But you also have to know that you have to release your faith. Because you may know God, if you don't know God wants to bless you, you're sunk. But if you know God wants to bless you, but you don't know how to release your faith in that, right. you're still sunk. And it's easy to not release your faith like he, this is Dad Hagen. I mean, this is our general. This is our titan. This is our, our, our example. Do you understand? In, 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 in the Bible day, it was Paul. At our day, it's also Paul. It's also these great men that wrote the Bible. But in terms of people that we saw with our own eyes and felt with our own hands, it's people that, that lived their whole life and, and never and, and made it. The end of, the end of their life will end it strong without, without uh, controversy and controversy and failure and, you know, sexual misconduct and stealing money and... I mean, we're looking at people that these are our heroes because they, they walked their whole life on a journey, learning, learning, didn't know the stuff that we know. We're further ahead. Taylor knows more yeah. at his age than Dad Hagen knew at 50 probably yeah. in terms of the revelation that's come out yeah. because revelation is progressive. Right. Do you understand? Yeah. But these men were on a journey with God, just like I'm on a journey. It's like you're on a journey. And these men that we put on such a, we're so, we don't, we're not, we don't, 
worship the people. We worship God, but God used people to teach us. He gave us gifts, Ephesians 4.11, to the body of Christ. He was a prophet teacher and he taught us. But this great man that we all say, wow, we'll let an example to him. He was broke. He was poor. He could get healed, but he couldn't get a dollar. He couldn't believe God for nothing financially until God taught him the same faith is used in the same as every other sphere. It's the same for finances. It's the same for healing. It's the same for protection. It's the same for everything. You're using your faith in one, but you won't use your faith in the other. That's why you're going without. It's not that I don't want to bless you. I want to bless you, but you won't use your faith. So you've got to first know God wants to bless you. And then you've got to understand how to use your faith for that blessing. If you do it, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he doesn't love Kenneth Hagin more than you. He doesn't love him more than me. He doesn't love Brother Randy more than me or you. He doesn't love Brother Copeland more. It's the word of God and it works every time if you will exercise it. No matter what you're going through financially, no matter how dark it seems, this revelation from the word, it's written in a little book, but it's from the Bible. It's Jesus quoting to a man, but he's basing it on the Bible because we only go with what's in the Bible. Okay, we don't just take what the man says it's got to line up with the Bible. We've got to find scripture for it. And I've got a lot of scriptures for you that I'll start talking next time. But if we take the Bible, we take the word, we take the revelation, we get faith out of that because remember faith comes by hearing the word and we release that faith in that direction for that category or that sphere of finances. It has to, has to, has to work for you. And if it doesn't, you're, so the problem's on your side. If it's not working, you can't look at God and say, well, you did it for Brother Hagin, but not for me, that's not true. If it's not working for you, there's a disconnect somewhere in your life. It may not be very clear. There was a disconnect in his life. What did he do? Go fast and pray. Go fast and pray, not just for emergency bailout. Go fast and pray for God to show you where the disconnect is. And then let fix that disconnect. The power starts flowing. It has to work, Jenny. It has to work for me. Me and you have proved it. We've proved it in our family. The faithful man does abound with blessing. I, I didn't get, I said I was going to quote that verse, but I didn't get to it. But I'll get to it the next time. But that's one of my verses. The faithful man will abound in blessing. There are so many scriptures. If you'll just learn to release your faith in God's desire to bless you, you will see it work. It has to work. God doesn't do it for one enough for another. It may seem that way, but it's just because one person's connected right and the other person's is disconnected somehow. And that doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that they need God to show them where they need to fix some things. Just like Dad Hagen, he needed God to show him. God wasn't mad at him. <laughs> Did you notice that God didn't come to him, Jenny, and say to him, son, I don't want you to be without. Let me tell you where you're missing it. Did you notice that? Yes. He went for a whole year with lack and nothing. And God's heart bled for that. He didn't want his son to go through that. But he waited for the man to seek him. Many times God won't come directly to you. He'll wait for you to come talk to him. Shows, you that, shows him that you're hungry, that you're willing to pay a price. You add some fasting to that, you'll get God's attention, believe me. Especially in emergencies, especially when you're really struggling about something. Add fasting to it. It doesn't have to be a full, long fast that just drains you. Brother Hagen rarely did full fast. If you study, uh, God, other people do. Yeah. David Hogan does and others. I'm not saying, there's no right or wrong. No. Just you've got to be led by the Spirit. Dad Hagen would fast partially. He'd not eat a meal or he'd not eat two meals, but, but, or he'd do three days at a time. But he never did these long fasts. I'm not saying that you shouldn't or that, that it's not right. You've just got to be led by the Spirit. But you add fasting as the Holy Ghost leads you and you really seek God. Lord, it's not on your side, it's on my side. Something's not working here. Teach me, teach me. He may teach you through me. He may teach you through the word directly. He may teach you through this little book. He may speak to your heart like he did with Dad Hagen. But just know that he wants to bless you. 
and that, and that if you're in faith properly, it will work 100%. It will work. If it's not working, it's not his fault. Something needs to be adjusted in your mind and in your believing. And he'll help you if you'll ask him about it. Don't just wait for him to come to you. Go ask him. He'll help you. This is good teaching. Maybe not, you know, raw, raw, shout, shout, but... It's, I mean, if you, if, if, you, if you want to be blessed, it's raw, raw, shout, shout. But it may not be the, you know, the typical, whatever, uh, ultra-inspiring, but I'm telling you, this is, this is teaching of the Bible to help you. God wants to help you. Praise God.